and welcome to the Inside Out Group Podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Today, we want to talk about the forgotten attribute that every leader and every team needs. You have your host, Nathan Westfall and Michael Moore. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, Um, howdy. (laughs) uh, So what are some common attributes that people have on these teams? Yeah, so... I think that with every team, if you look at every team, whether uh, it is a food industry, whether it's a church or a nonprofit, whether it's a Fortune 500 company, I mean, every every team, some basic some basic common ones are uh, teamwork. You know, there's that phrase, it takes the, I'm going to totally butcher this, to make the dream work, that takes teamwork to make the dream work. There we go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you want teamwork, and then, then there's other attributes like being positive. You want to be positive and uh, you want to be honest with each other and we want to be striving for excellence and um, just some some common ones out there. And I think that we can all we can go to a mission statement and we can see different uh, attributes, so to speak, that that would make a team work. And also as individuals, you know, we want to be men and women of character, of integrity. We want to be uh, men and women that are not self-seeking. We want to be men and women that are putting others in front of ourselves. And and so both in a leader's life and in a team's life and in an organization, there's a lot of common attributes. And I think that they're all extremely good. And, you know, with the, with the, the title, the Inside Out Group podcast, uh, today what I want to talk about is really the inside, and I mean inner, inner working of us as individual leaders, but also um, the team's that we have in kind of an attribute that I feel is sometimes lost or just forgotten about. And I don't think that it's uh, purposely forgotten about. I just think sometimes we just forget about this because we're so consumed with uh, making sure that we meet our goals, making sure that we meet our results, making sure that we are coming to a meeting uh, prepared with a positive attitude and a game plan and that we're at being excellent and all that we can do that sometimes we forget about potentially the forgotten attribute for a leader and for a team. Yeah, that's good. So, so what do you feel the forgotten attribute is? What is so b- before, before I dive into this, I'm actually going to read out of Ephesians chapter four, and I'm going to talk just for a minute. And, and if you're, if you're a Christian or non-Christian, this applies to both the workplace and it also applies to, uh, uh, to, to church as well. And so out of Ephesians 4, you see uh, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's essentially talking about the different gifts that are available uh, to, the, to the church, right? And, and so he says this, and this is what, if you grew up in a charismatic church circle, then you, you know what I'm talking about whenever I say this. But he says this in chapter 4, verse 11 of the book of Ephesians. He said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we obtain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of statue to the fullness of Christ. And so just from, let's just look at that from a leadership perspective right there. Um, What I see 98% of the time is that we teach people to be apostles and pastors or evangelists, or let's put it in a more of a marketplace. We teach people to be um, uh, marketing engineers and developers and consultants and salespeople uh, without really dealing with what I believe is a root cause for actually making the team work. And, and whether it's, it's both commercial 
uh, marketplace or whether it's in the church world, uh, we all want the same result. So in the church world, we all want the result, I should say. In the church world, uh, we want to see people come into the fullness of Christ, into complete maturity, as Paul talks about right there. And so we say, well, it's the gift of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, right, um, that are going to bring the body of Christ to the fullness of Christ to complete maturity so that we can do the work of the ministry. So there's an aspect of training for the work of the ministry and all this other stuff. In a marketplace setting, it is, um, well, we need the, the waiter and the help staff and the manager and the assistant manager and the marketing engineer and all of this to be able to push it out to where we mm-hmm. get uh, the product sold and it's done in an efficient way and a cost-saving way. We're still making a profit. And so both, both uh, Christian and non-Christian, we have a bottom line, so to speak, right? And not financially speaking, but a result that we're all looking for. Sure. Uh, yep. what, what I feel, though is that we focus on the result of what we're looking for instead of focusing on what's really inside the team that we're developing or the team that we're working with. And ultimately for us as leaders, the, 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 the character traits, so to speak, that we should have as leaders. So I know I haven't even answered your question. And so I'm, I'm about <laughs> to, I'm about to. Um, and then I want to dive into this. And I, man, I hope that this is useful. And so if you're a leader, of any amount of people, um, if you are a manager of any amount of people, if you're a team member, whether uh, in a service industry job or a Fortune 500 job, or you're working at a church, uh, this is for you. This is for everyone, I believe, who calls themselves a leader. And this is what Paul says at the very beginning, before he gets into the leadership roles uh, within the church. He says this in chapter four, verse one. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. All right, so I just, just that part right there. And so if you're a manager, if you're a pastor, if you're a youth pastor, if you're a salesperson, we all are supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have been called to. So let's just take our occupation. We all need to walk in the, the manner that is worthy to our occupation. And so, um, you know, Nathan, you are, I don't even know what you do. Uh, you do code <laughs> developing, right? That's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you do code developing. So you have to know a lot about codes, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. And so, Obviously, if you come in there not knowing anything about about what your your occupation is, you're you're not going to work there, right? And and Correct. so yep. that's usually what people focus on is we focus on the talent that people have instead of the character traits that people have. And we do need talent. I, we most definitely need talent. And I don't want to negate that we have to have talented people in the marketplace and in the church world. You don't want someone who can't preach to get up there and to start preaching. But at the same time, you don't want someone who can preach, who has no character to get up there and to preach with no substance and no character mm-hmm. at it. And I think what's interesting about this, and I'm about to answer your question, what's interesting about this right here is before Paul ever gets to the leadership roles or the serving roles or the gifting roles that are found in the church setting, he deals with the character roles in the people. And so he's writing to the elders in Ephesus and he's saying, 
He says later on, you're going to have apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, right? Those are the leaders that you're going to have. But I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in eager love. I'm sorry, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so the more I am digging into this, the more and more I believe that the forgotten attribute in both a leader's life, but also in a team's life is coming from a place of humility, of truly Mm. humbling themselves, um, submitting to one another for the greater good of the organization. And you see this right here. And, and with Paul's writing, Paul is an incredible writer, uh, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and the, and the Scripture, right? And um, in all of his writing, you always see he gives these lists. And, and right here, he gives this list of what the, the manner that is worthy of the calling, the character that should be attached to your calling, and the very first attribute that Paul is looking for is all humility, yeah. And then it bleeds out into gentleness and then it bleeds into patience and then it bleeds into bearing with one another in love. And then in verse three, it says eager to maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. And so humility, gentleness, patience, love should bleed out and lead to unity in any type of team. And I, I'm the more and more I dive into this and, and maybe, you know, I'd love to have a dialogue about this, the more and more I dive into this, um, I believe that the reason teams are so dysfunctioned, the reason teams have so many issues, the reason that we as people have got so much conflict with other people is because we are not coming from a place of walking into a meeting, walking into a conference call, walking into a serving opportunity with humility, us literally being clothed with humility and all that we do, even in our relationships with one another, or even in our marriages, like most fights happen because it's a power struggle. It's Mm -hmm. a, I have to outprove you. Um, and our pride ends up getting in the way. And so I want to, I want to give this as an example, and then I'll stop and actually let you ask me questions. Cause I know I've been talking for a while. You're fired up about this, man. I'm all passionate. It's all good. Yeah. Um, you look at the life of Jesus and Jesus had the greatest ministry. He was the greatest leader to ever walk the earth. He was in Christendom. He was sinless and perfect. He was holy and set apart, all this stuff, right? Uh, and even if you're not a Christian, Jesus was a good guy. He healed people. He changed people. He literally, because of his teachings, it, it overthrew Rome 300 years after his death. And so you look at this, Jesus at the start of his ministry, at the start of his ministry, um, he went to another man's revival, John the Baptist, who was baptizing disciple after disciple after disciple after disciple after disciple, right? He went to John the Baptist's revival, revival meeting. If you know, if you're a Christian, you know what I mean. And he submitted to John and he waited in line for his turn to be baptized by John. Even though Jesus would start the greatest revival and is the baptism, is the life, is the hope, right? Um, he still submitted to John, who was his cousin, before he ever started his ministry. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people want to step into leadership positions. People want to step into pastoral roles. People want to step into different callings that maybe God's given them the gift to do it, but they're not willing to submit and humble themselves 
to the submission of a leader that God has placed over them, or maybe that you're under in your corporate environment in order for that, for you to serve that leader, to be able to do eventually what God has called you to do, the calling or the dream that you have. It's humility, man. And the more and more I dive into this, um, I really believe that the forgotten attribute at City Church, um, in other churches, in uh, the company that you work for that I don't think I can say because of legal purposes, um, (laughs) it's humility. It is humility. We look at politics. The reason that we have a fighting match over the Republicans and Democrats is because neither side wants to humble themselves and listen to the other person. Yeah. Humility is the forgotten attribute in the leader's life and in every team, not every team, but in most teams in America right now. Yeah, no, that's really good. So give us give us an example, right? So that's the forgotten attribute. How does this play uh, into the mission of an organization, whether I follow it or I don't follow it or have it or don't have it, I should say. All right. So let's talk, uh, let's talk city church for instance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's just be transparent because we want to be transparent here on this podcast. And this is for leaders to listen to. Um, do you feel that we are always, uh, hundred percent focused on the mission of the church? No. Okay. Uh, do you feel that we get derailed by our personal preferences to the church? Uh, yes, I believe that comes up. Yep. Okay. Do you feel that there's conflict on the teams in the church, whether serve team or leadership team? Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, here's what I'm saying. If we as a team would approach every meeting and every opportunity with humility, then we should have the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. And that's what I love that Paul lays out here. And so you take your mission, you take your vision, you take your your bottom line, your product, your result that you're trying to get. And so for ours, it's to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why we exist. That is our mission. That is what we are all about. And we should all be focused on that and we should be a unified team. But the reason that we're not a unified team is because we have team members, including myself, who walk into meetings with their own agenda and not coming from a place of humility, willing to submit to one another. And I'm not talking about submit and do what you say. I'm talking about submit to someone else's opinion or submit to someone else's thoughts uh, and actually listen to them and hear them out. And so what Paul's saying right here is he's saying, um, in order to have unity towards your mission, Right. In order to have unity in your church, in order to have unity in your organization, you have got to have humility that leads to gentleness, that leads to patience, that leads to bearing with one another in love. And if you have all of those things right there, starting with humility, then you will all be able to constantly move in a spirit of unity. And we see this uh, very practical um, explanations. We see this all the time in city church is because we can't step into a meeting, say a planning meeting, and we have two or three different ideas. Someone gets offended and someone, um, they then closed off because maybe someone was too talkative or someone says something that is portrayed in a negative way towards us. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we, we, we see this in a team setting. Um, and I think that if we all went in there with, with humility and knowing that we are for each other and that we are all focused on the same thing and that even though we may have a different perspective or even though we may have a different idea and we need different perspectives we need different ideas but we would go into this meeting with humility and not get our panties in a knot i feel like we would we would truly see a sense of unity 
And look, yeah. I don't think yep. this will ever be perfect. There, I mean, I, we're we're sinful, flawed people, right? It will right, right. never, never be perfect. Um, but I think that we, as leaders, are called to walk in humility and to strive for this. And, yeah. And so yeah. I th- I think that if you don't have humility, you're never going to be able to focus on unity, and you're never going to be able to focus on unifying people to mm-hmm. the vision. Yeah. Does that make sense? Good. I mean, yeah. do you want to expound on that anymore? Do you have any examples, you know? <laughs> no, no, not yet. I'm trying to think of some, but no, I think that's a good point where, I mean, humility definitely kind of sets, sets. Uh, it's not the end all be all in terms of the answer, but it, it's it's the end all be all in terms of setting the se- stepping stones to get to that next step. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, yeah, let me make myself clear. This yeah, is yeah, step yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. I really feel like yep. this is step one. You still have to have step two, three, four, five, six, whatever, to maintain that unity. But if you don't have step one, humility, you're never going to be able to maintain. Right, it. and that's where I think I'll, I'll argue with you where the other or the other steps can be like interchanged. But I don't think there's a there's like a, an alternative to step one. This is the only step one. Right. Uh, right. To do it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, how can someone start applying applying this to their life or or to their team's organization? So, I think uh, first as an individual, with me, um, I think asking yourself why is is kind of the first place you should start mm-hmm. and so with every decision you want to make with every uh conversation that you have uh or every opinion or say you're going to confront someone about an issue that's going on which you do need healthy conflict ask yourself why am i really doing this why do i really believe this and am i am i coming at this with the right approach and look i was having a conversation with j- just a few minutes ago with someone and and they realized in the past few weeks and um just in conversation with somebody else that they would suggest to do something so that ultimately they could get what they want out of that suggestion and Hmm. so here let me help you but really me helping you is me getting what i want which is a false sense of humility Mm -hmm. we portray it as oh i'm going to help you um, and then, you know, it's a blessing to you, right? Well, really, you're manipulating that situation right there to help this person so that you can get what you want. And it becomes a transactional exchange. And, and, and it's a false sense of, of, of humility. Um, and, and so with that, I think that we do this far often in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our teams that we lead, in the organization. Um, we go into it. Uh, sometimes trying to manipulate it. So I, th- I think step one is self-awareness. Really ask yourself, um, why do I want this? Or why am I pitching this idea? Or why am I going to argue this case? Is it uh, because I have the best interest of the organization at heart? Or is it because I have my own interest at heart? And so in, in, a, in a church context, shifting it a little bit to, to teams, right? Um, we say this all the time, marry the mission, date the methods, marry the mission. So the mission is to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, that is our mission. That is what we are all about. Date the method. A lot of times though, we end up marrying the method and we start dating the mission. And so we start pitching out ideas or we start throwing, uh, people under the bus, Uh, And we think that we know it all because we've married our preferences and we are essentially just ditching the mission that we should be married to, the mission that we should be pursuing. Mm -hmm. And we get prideful, we get boastful, we allowed offense to come in. And so I think that that, uh, how to apply this with a team, 
uh, and this is a prequel to what we're going to be talking about at our next leadership meeting, is we need to have an honest conversation as a leadership team. We need to have an honest conversation and not picking apart uh, someone else's character, but pointing us back to our own character and asking ourselves the question, am I truly being humble whenever I approach the table? Am I truly being humble whenever I serve in the local church? Am I truly being humble in every everything that I do? And so it's it's as the leader, I think it is, um, Craig Groeschel says this, as the leader gets better, the whole organization gets better. Mm-hmm. As you as a leader, you get better, you recognize your need for humility, then I believe the team's gonna get better. And yeah. once that team gets better, the organization's gonna get better. And so Agreed. yes, it's a yeah. team thing, but it, everybody has to do this on the team because if if one or two people are out, then a fence will rise up and it will mess up the unity of the team and it will mess up the unity that is ultimately for the mission of your organization. And so it's yeah. both personal, both but, but corporate at the same time. Yeah, I think it's good. I and hope I'll, I hope this all makes sense. All right, I I yeah. really do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I will I will agree with you the fact that it it uh, it almost starts at the leader because I can I can think of. I'm going through like teams in my head right now and I can think of ones that that do this that do this pretty well and ones that don't and I can also then just look at that team's leader and see how it stems down. So, so I think you, it is Can you elaborate on that without like maybe saying the teams yeah, yeah, but some yeah. examples no, of I teams know, yeah. that do well and teams that do bad? Cuz so you're, you're on multiple teams. I'm just on yeah. one team, right? Yeah. And so um so like the one team that does it well, um I know that uh you know they go and I know the the leaders and kind of the most of the people on the team go into it with a agenda and stuff like that. But um, I mean, because the software engineer, a lot of stuff we do is demos, right? So everyone goes in with the expectation that something's going to get corrected and my idea might not be the best way. And, um, you know, because we have to constantly bring new ideas and, and stuff that we've worked on to the table. And I mean, that's that's even tougher, right? You know, I've spent yeah. three weeks on this feature and I have to bring it to you and they might be like, nope, this is not what we wanted. We want to redo it, right? So, I mean, you kind of almost have to get in that mindset pretty quick, right? If you know that you just got to not attach to your work at that point and know that yeah. uh, your leader and everyone else knows that it's for the greater good, it's for the greater benefit of the team. And I think yeah. that's what we're all about is that we see the effect it has on clients. It sees the effect that it has on everyone. And we know that uh, even though I dedicated, I may have been the only one who worked on the project and spent all this time, it's for the benefit of everyone. And that's why you go in with the humility because you know at the end, uh, the end result's not about you. It might be your idea. It might be you the one doing the work, but the the result isn't you at all. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think of a, a bad one that I can think of an example of is... Um, going into it with that same agenda. So you kind of have that same approach, but uh, the difference is, is, is they're more focused on, on the result rather than kind of what everyone has to offer. Right. So if you, if you go on with what people have to offer, you can kind of make those sacrifices, figure it out and, and realize that, you know, the result's not about you. It's about a combination of everyone. If you go in expecting uh, with an agenda of a meeting to have, you know, X result or Y result, then you kind of it's kind of hard to have that humility thing because you already have a set goal in mind of what you mm-hmm. think the outcome should be rather than be flexible with that outcome. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you. I mean, this is a very blunt conversation right now. Um, there was one time I went to it was at a different church organization, it's a different church, um, but I went into a meeting and I was dead set. And I do this is prideful. It's, look, confess your sins, right? So uh, I do believe that my way was better. But I went in there and I literally got into a yelling argument 
with another staff member at this planning retreat um, because I wasn't willing to humble myself and to really listen to what they had to say. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if the senior pastor that I was submitting to said, this is the way that we're going to do it, I should have just shut my mouth and just humbled myself to what the senior pastor was saying and the vision yeah. and the mission that he was laying out. But instead, I argued. And it was, man, it made me hot. But I can look back at this now. Um, and even though I may think that my way was correct, I was still in the wrong for that. And I was still prideful and I did not walk in humility. And it caused a lot, a lot of, a, uh, of tension on the team for, for probably a month, maybe six weeks after that because of that one disagreement that we had because I was prideful and I didn't come in with humility. Yeah, and I think that's good. So to show how humility goes two ways is, um, you know, just because you want to be uh, humble going into something doesn't mean you have to submit right away, right? So if someone in your case is a great example, if the lead pastor comes in and says, I have X idea, you don't have to say, you don't have to humble it right away. You can give your idea, you can give what it is um, and try to, to not argue it, but I mean, argue it a little bit. And like, I think this would be better, all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, if he then says no, then that's your chance to be humble, right? It's not like the second you hear the idea that that you have to be humble right away. It's okay to question something, argue something totally. once, right? Because totally. they might realize, oh, hey, you're actually right. But if it goes to that point where if they then say, hey, that's a good point, but we're not doing that way, we're doing it this way, that's your opportunity to humble. And that's where a lot of people fail. Right, right. And, and I do think that there's a difference also between um, – you can be humble, but still walk in confidence and not be arrogant and walk in pride. And so still walk in confidence. So if you're, if you're confident of your method to accomplish the mission is the right way, then present it, throw it out there, be confident in that. But if it comes to push, push comes to, to shove, um, and it doesn't happen, then you need to humble yourself to the greater good, to the greater unity of the people on the team and the mission of your organization Yep. as, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. that's good stuff. Yeah. What do you do if a team member uh, doesn't want to focus on this area? So this is something I know we've talked about a little bit in this podcast as far as uh, teaming, team members and correcting team members and stuff. I think, I think first and foremost is you need to have a conversation with the mm-hmm. team member. So if you're course, the lead, yeah. if you're the lead team lead, you need to have a conversation with that team member. Uh, if the conversation uh, doesn't do it, then you need to sit down and you need to say, Hey, what am I saying to you that is not communicating in a way to where you understand? Yep. Uh, and, and more often than not, it's a miscommunication of the expectations that causes offense and leads people to being prideful and boastful about this is, this is the right way. And so I think laying out clear, uh, communication and expectations with the team, uh, confronting the issues, having the conversations and then saying, okay, you're still not communicating it. And then uh, the, the third is, and this, I, I, I hate it whenever it comes to this, and it hasn't happened a lot in a church setting with me, but um, if, if, if it's, you've had the conversations, you've had another follow-up conversation, maybe even you set out a time frame and you have another follow, follow-up conversation, then it probably is time for there to be a change, whether it's you dismiss them and let them go, uh, or whether they move to a different role in the organization, uh, maybe they're extremely valuable in uh, the guest experience for people, but not in leading a team, then you need to talk those things out. And I, I think bottom line is if someone is going to be insubordinate and they're going to always give you pushback and they're always going to be prideful, then it is time to just part ways. Yep. Uh, and that leads to a whole nother podcast about how to properly fire someone, especially in the context of 
of of the church because sure. you know yep. it's you're dealing with people you're not just dealing with the job you're dealing with with people and and so um but i would highly recommend to point it out to a person and then to keep to keep them accountable to keep them accountable yep. um and and it's tough it's tough because you as a leader you have to be willing to have the tough conversations with people you have to be willing mm-hmm. to um yeah, I mean, you really you have to be you have to risk. Am I going to be liked by this person? And you may not be liked, but if it's for the greater good of the organization, uh, then it needs to be done. And this is something that I've I've lived through. I think that we're currently living through this as a team, where there has been some tough conversations. There's been some changes that have been taking place, um, but but you have to have. Uh, you know, a part of humility is you have to have the unity of the team and the unity of the mission and the vision of your organization as the forefront. Again, you're married to the mission and you're dating the method. And it's where the method is that people get called up on. And that's where false humility creeps in and pride creeps in and division happens on a team. And, and look, being a part of multiple teams, both in the corporate world and in the, the, the church world, I can tell you, um, having a cancer in a leadership team will destroy an organization from the yeah. inside out. It yep. will destroy it from the inside out. And so the quicker that you can deal with the cancer, whether you need to give it chemotherapy and bring healing or whether you need to just cut that, that thing out and rip it out, deal with it. And yeah. that's something that I'm learning. It's not fun as a leader to walk through it. Um, but it's something that is necessary uh, for every great organization out there. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, do you have any other advice? Uh, I know this is kind of something that we could probably talk on for hours and hours and hours, but uh, I mean, do you have any other advice for a, a leader or maybe someone who is a member of the team and kind of wants to try to help the team out? Um, I would I would say this, and so this is a question that I raised in a conference call last week. And so we were we were talking about this topic, not to this in depth, it was kind of, it was briefly talked about. We really talked more so about the other aspect of Ephesians chapter four. Um, but what do you do? What do you do when you have people who don't have the character, but are extremely talented? What do you do whenever you have people who are extremely well-spoken and gifted in an area, but they don't have the character to back it up? And this is something I think that uh, we are facing right now at city churches because we've had an influx of new people. Uh, we don't have enough groups right now to keep everybody. We don't have enough people serving in high capacity leadership positions. And, and so I think that there's a balance. And so my, my advice, I guess, for people is if you want to maintain the spirit of unity, uh, then you need to be slow at bringing people on to fill the leadership roles and not just fill a need. And I'm not talking about just serving as a host team member or or something, but I'm talking about key leaders. You need to be slow at bringing key leaders on and make sure that they walk in humility, make sure that they walk in patience, make sure that they care about other people and make sure that they have the, the best interest of the organization um, at heart. And to be honest with you, I've, I've kind of been getting some pushback for our church because I have been uh, lately so stinking slow at doing this that there's there's more gaps that are that are happening and so yes we need to fill a need but I want to make I would rather go slower yeah. and see slower growth and make sure that we put the right person in the right place that has the right values and walks in humility than put mm-hmm. someone in there and then just have to 
replace them six months later or they get upset and ticked off and there's an offense and they end up leaving the church, which I've experienced both of those. Yeah. And so uh, I think you really need to ask yourself as a leader, am I going to slow down with filling a position? Am I going to look for character or am I going to end up looking for gifting? And and that's the that's the tension. And I don't know if I have an answer to that. My suggestion, my advice, move slow, make sure that they have the character in your heart and the heart of the organization before you just throw them into a position. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, good. Um, well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate this and you really trying to dive in and really explain to everyone, myself included, what the forgotten attribute was and making sure we all understand. Uh, and if anyone's listening has any any questions or need some clarification on something, feel free to reach out to us. You can email us, podcast at insideoutgroup.org or go to the top of the website and click uh, the contact button. And we'd love to hear from you, uh, whether it's a question or something clerical or maybe just some encouragement. Just just let us know and we'd be happy to hear it. Um, if you want to hear more from us, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, insideoutgroup.org. You can subscribe. Uh, make sure you share it with a friend. Um, and that's all we have for this week. We'll see you all next week. Hey guys, we just want to remind you about the night of worship that is happening October 12th at 7 p.m. at the Washington Armory in downtown Albany, New York. We want to invite you, your team, and your church to come be a part of a historical night of worship where we're going to be lifting up the name of Jesus. On top of that, we want to honor pastors and worship leaders and give back to our community. For more information on this free free night of worship, please visit us at insideoutgroup.org forward slash Mac. That's insideoutgroup.org forward slash M-A-C-K. We look forward to seeing you there.